So last week we kicked off Lent with looking at the reality that we're, all of us are among wild beasts. Just like Jesus entering the desert, the wilderness, he was among wild beasts as he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. So is the case for us. If we do this Lent, go out in the desert, go out in the wilderness to be sure we will encounter wild beasts. Maybe wild beasts that have gone unaddressed in our lives for some time. We looked, um, I, I'm hesitate, I hesitate, I'm scared to ask if people remember to bring back the, the image, but a number of you have. Um, remember his painting of Saint, or a painting by Michelangelo of Saint Anthony, the torment of Saint Anthony, and it really what it does it represents the spiritual life. It's scriptural, the fact of temptation swirling around us, the evil one clawing at the mind, pulling at the cincture, which represents chastity, or beating the head over with a club. Here, we ask ourselves the question: Where am I being tugged? As I come in here, this lens. Where do I find myself regularly getting scratched at? Where does the evil one, what wild beasts have access to my mind? Where do they have access to my mind? When do they have access to my mind? Through what means do they have access through my mind? And again, not just, not just being tempted because temptation's not a sin. Jesus was tempted in the desert and he was without sin, but we're talking about wild beasts that consistently lead us to fall, ones that lead us to sin. The wild beasts that we have in our lives that consistently win, that's naming the wild beasts because it's not, just, it's not good enough just to know that we're among wild beasts. That is the case, but we got to name it, to name them, and it's not just good enough to name the wild beasts. We've got to battle them because it can be the case that we can go five months, we can go five years, we can go 50 years, and all of a sudden we've made peace with our sins. We've made peace with the vices in our lives rather than battling them to the death. And so this week, as we continue battling with, continue on with battling the beasts, and hopefully this time of, of Lent, of this time of transformation and being renewed and drawn, being drawn closer to Christ, we want to look at three things. Expecting that things will intensify. It's all about the look. And third, taking a step to that look. So first, expecting thing, to expect things to intensify. I really didn't want to do this point, but it's more when I, every time I got away from it, the Lord's like, no, you, you, there's, you, you, I, I want you to share it. I want you to say it. And it's not to scare you, but it is to prepare you. And I don't know if this is just one person that needs to hear that or to hear this this weekend, but expect things to intensify. It's a spiritual principle. Temptation is known by all. No one does not experience temptation, but it is known by it, it is known in a more intense way by those who have set out on a path to put death to sin. Those that have out on a path that are journeying towards to go closer to God, you're heading on the right direction to know and to expect. It's a spiritual principle. Expect temptations to grow more fierce. The, the Old Testament in the book of Sirach, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1 says, My son, if you set out to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptation. Temptation, again, is just that which leads us away from what is good. It leads us away from our settled purpose. First Peter also, again, we don't hear this verse ever in our Sunday, when we come to Mass on Sunday. It's not in the, the Sunday lectionary, but he says, 
Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes to you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Some, I'm headed on the right path. It's almost as if like, okay, temptation or just like things in my life with family at work, it's almost as if something strange is happening. That's what Peter's saying. I remember after I uh, discerned and, and to enter the seminary, the Lord's called me to be a priest, coming back from Nebraska and getting back here in Illinois. I remember after getting home before going to seminary, I remember being met with the fiercest temptation, like just thoughts in my mind, like doubts. I remember one time being in the living room at, at home at my parents' house and like on the couch there and like just thoughts coming to me. Like two, two weeks ago, I, I was like, in tears of this leading up the last number of years, like I'm feeling called to be a priest. And yet here I am on the couch, like, like thoughts of like the priesthood's a joke. God's not real. These intense temptations and doubts and thoughts that were going on those number of weeks right before me leading into seminary. As if like something strange was even happening, I felt, just like Peter said. But as temptation intensifies, his presence intensifies. That's so why the Lord gives the transfiguration of Peter, James, and John as they know things will intensify for them or he knows things will intensify for them to let them see the look, the, the transfigured look. Which brings us secondly to it's all about the look. If you remember last week with this image, you had the wild beasts all around St. Anthony swarming, but we zoned in at the end of the homily last week where we, where we left off, we zoned in and we looked at his face to see the look that he had. And, this, and here is a man who had a look, who has a look, as if to say, all these things around me, they're around me, but they can't touch me. They can't touch me. It's a look from a man who's, who's, who's tapped into a deeper power, who's, who's tapped into a deeper strength, a strength that's from outside of himself that, that, he, have, that he has access to. He's got the look. He's got the look. He's not the only one that's got the look. All the great saints had the look. St. Paul, we hear from our second reading today, he's writing to the Romans. He's in, we're in chapter eight. He's got the look. If you heard, he starts off, it says, brothers and sisters, if God is for us, who can be against us? I read that and sometimes I'm like, well, a lot of things can seem to be against me. Like not only a lot of things, but sometimes it feels like everything is against me all at once. It's, it's like it's this image, like swarming around. And at times it can seem that not only does it seem that everything's against me all at once and swarming around and pulling, and but it, it can also seem at times like that God isn't even for me. But Paul, we, we see today, we see, we see why it is that Paul has the look, how he got the look. It's as if from chapter seven here, well, chapter seven comes, or we're in chapter eight, in chapter seven we, is where Paul famously says, I do the thing I don't wanna do, the sin that's in me. And then in a spot of desperation, he cries out, miserable one that I am. And he asks, who will deliver me from this state? Who will deliver me from this sinful state that I'm in? And there's that shift now to chapter eight where he's like, let me tell you how and the reason why I have the look. Let me tell you how I think now. Let me tell you why I can think that like, since God is for me, 
nothing is against me. Nothing can be against me. It doesn't matter what's going on in the swarm. He goes on and says, he who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us all. He who did that, will he not also give us everything else along with him? A couple verses later, he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors. Like, I'm a conqueror in the midst of this. Like, I think sometimes we can, sometimes I think we, so many of us have, flipped, have slipped into this defeated mindset, has, have defeat, like slipped into this defeated mindset with regards to, to sin, the spiritual life, can even live and slipped into a defeated mindset with life in general. That's not how Paul thinks. That's not the spot throughout all of Paul's writings in the New Testament. He is thinking and coming from a spot of, of a man who's tapped into another power from, from a strength that's outside of himself. He's a man who's coming from a spot where he's living with the victor, that Christ who died for him now lives in him. And it's, and it's something that he can tap into that that is disposal. That's the spot that Paul's in. He's got the look. St. Anthony's got the look. The question is for, for you, for me here this morning is what's my look? Like what's, what's the look that I have on my face? Do I have this look? You know, and when we talk about, you know, this Lent about battling the beast within these 40 days of transformation, I think that a temptation is that we can approach these days of thinking like, okay, I'm going to prove to God how good I can be. I'm going to prove to God how I'm going to prove to God how good I can be and not sin. And see, we've got to see that that can that sees Lent as a time of self improvement, where my focus becomes just on myself. Our focus cannot be on ourselves. Our focus has to be on Jesus. It has to be on His on His presence. It's got to be a new presence, a deeper presence, like a new love that we can experience. And to be sure, like overcoming the, the vice and the sin in our lives and overcoming the, the beasts and the wild beasts around us, to be sure that requires discipline. It requires virtue. It requires us to grow in self-master. And we're gonna look at those things next week. We're gonna look at tips on overcoming temptation. Those are all important things. But first comes the look. And what the look is, is the look is love. The look is communion with, with, with God. It's the divine. It's the supernatural. What the look is, look, it, what the look is, is it, it's a presence and being in communion and tapped into it. Because we can, we can look next week and we can look at all like the growing in the virtue, virtue and self-mastery and discipline. We can do that till the cows come home and grow in those areas but you can't muster up the look. You can't roll up your sleeves and, and white knuckling and say like, let me work towards getting the look. It can't be done. It's something that's departed upon us. You know, I, was, I got, I received a voice, voicemail uh, the other, a week or two ago. And um, after I listened to it, I, I jotted it down. It said this, hello, Father Mark, my name is, we'll call him Joey. I feel like I'm drowning. I saw one of your homilies on YouTube the other day, and I really feel like I'm drowning. 
I'm doing everything I can. I go to church. There's just so much going on. I just don't know what to do anymore. Please call me back. When I called him back, you know what I talked to him about? Talked to him about love. I talked to him about, about the look. I talked to him about tapping into a presence, communion. Here's a young man who's, who's putting in work. He's trying to grow in self-mastery and discipline and trying to grow in virtue. But what, what the young man needed to hear was he needed to hear about some, he needed to hear about love. He needed to hear about something outside of him, a strength outside of him. Loving him. If you want to be a saint, if I want to be a saint, if this Lent, if you're going to embark in battling the beast and killing sin and battling sin to the death, then you must pursue love. You've got to pursue the look. Which brings us to taking a step to the look, toward the look. Like I said, next week, we're going to look at more practicals with regards to overcoming tips to overcoming temptations. But first, we've got to take a, take a look with taking a step, taking a step here towards, toward getting the look. And what I su suggest is, is, is for us to journal, for you to journal. And you might think right away, like prayer journal, like that sounds like a ho kind of hokey, like a diary, right? To, di to differentiate it from a diary it puts journaling, a prayer journal, it's not, it's, not just keep, it's not keeping a diary, a prayer journal, it puts the focus on another person, on Christ, someone else, someone who's there before me. And so on your way out, we have a prayer journals for everyone to grab on your way out. Inside is a little bookmark with tips for journaling. But what I ask is just something simple. Over the course of the next 24 hours or 48 hours, for you to sit down with this journal with a pen and sit down and you're going to write you're going to you're going to write to to a person to Jesus and just whatever comes up talk to him about talking talk to him about the beast that swarms talk talk to him about this image talk to him about the look about your desires with the look and what you want. And as you write to him, maybe for, for, for a moment you just pause and stop and listen. And then write down what, what you hear, what comes to your heart. See, but writing down is helpful because it helps us slow down. Journaling helps us to slow down. It helps us to focus on, on, on like, our, like words to, to a person, to a presence, Jesus. On your way out, pick up a journal. Pick up a journal and take a step to getting the look.